Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Um, if everyone has a Bible available to them this morning, um, if you would, please turn to uh, Genesis, the third chapter. Genesis, the third chapter. And uh, we're going to start reading from um, verse number 14 uh, through the, uh, through uh, verse number 19. Again, Genesis, the third chapter, starting at verse number 14. And it reads, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt be, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall have rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou, thou shalt not eat of it, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat all of it the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Uh, and I want, again, I say good morning um, to, to each of you. It, it is always good to, to be together on the first day of the week. Um, you know, we've, we've all had challenges of a kind. We've all struggled maybe with sickness and, and ailments, uh, stress and anxiety. But these are, uh, this is kind of our, our uh, I'm not sure if it's, it's the right term, but this is kind of our, our rest stop. Um, this is our Wayfair. It's it's a it's a refueling station uh, every first day of the week as as, as we go through this journey uh, called the the days of our lives. And uh, the title of my lesson this morning is dealing with struggle. Um, and uh, it, it goes along the lines of what we've talked about the past three weeks about peaks and valleys um, in life. About you know again the. Um, the, the goodness that we get knowing the truth, having the, the Spirit of God within us, um, knowing that regardless of how the days go, regardless of how our bodies feel, <coughs> as long as we're living faithfully in the eyes of God, everything will work out to our benefit. Um, and if, even if it does not work to, the, uh, to your benefit, and I'm using worldly terms, um, and, and, and I can't even say the very least, but the very most is, is if you die faithfully, heaven will be your home. Amen. And uh, that, is a, that is a comforting element of being a Christian, 
is that in spite of good times, in spite of bad times, um, as long as I'm living faithfully, the promise goes unchanged. It's, it's consistent. Um, it maintains. The scripture tells us um, that uh, our lives are but a vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. And if you look back at what we just read here in the book of Genesis, that part of the, the curse of being expelled from the Garden of Eden as a result of sin, being that uh, Adam and Eve partook of the, the fruit and the knowledge of good, they partook of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, was that, um, as it says in the latter part of verse number 19, um, that... Uh, at the end of the day that mankind would turn to the, return to the dust from which it was formed. Death is a part of the equation that we all uh, will face. You know, I, I, I think about uh, the curse that the serpent had. The, 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 the curse of the serpent was that uh, the serpent would continue to move about on his belly without legs, mind you, and continue to eat the dust of the ground. If you look at every serpent or every snake out there, you see that that's a part of their daily life. And that's a part of their daily struggle as they move about slithering through thickets and bush. Sometimes they'll maybe swim through a body of water, but they're still on their bellies. They don't have hands to pull things into their mouth as we do. Um, but do they complain? I guess rather, are they successful? Yeah, snakes are, are, are doing what they do. They have figured out a way, they've adapted to their circumstance. And I guess I would say to the moms here in the room, you've also adapted to your circumstance of going through the you know pain and anguish of childbirth. I mean, that hasn't stopped women from having babies. Um, You've adapted. You you've learned breathing techniques. You you know some moms have their babies in water. Some moms um, ha uh, take the assistance of, of painkillers. But we have adapted to that circumstance. Um, you look at uh, you know continuing on with this with the ramifications of the of the first sin. Um, Adam, well, he was cursed with having to to work. His life was going to be hard, as the scripture tells us. Um, he was going to do a lot of sweating. There was going to be an exertion of effort in order to feed himself and his family. But, you know, while I guess you could say that there are probably a lot of men who aren't working, but still, um, families are being fed. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who are walking around with uh, some extra pounds on their body. Um, so we have adapted even to that. But one thing I say we still struggle with that, you know, uh, that we still haven't yet adapted to um, is the curse of death. We are all going to go to the, as, again, as the scripture said, return to the earth from which we were formed. Uh, scripture tells us that it is accounted unto man once to die, and then after that, the judgment. Uh, death or the, um, the, the threat of death has been a struggle that most human beings have, have uh, struggled with. And 
With that in mind, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Exodus. Um, in the book of Exodus, we find that, uh, let me flip over there, um, Exodus, the 20th chapter, <clears throat> in verse number 18, um, it says, uh, after the uh, God had spoken uh, the words of the Ten Commandments to Moses, it says, in verse number 18, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when they saw it, they were moved and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near into the thick darkness where God was. You know, even, even before the giving of the, um, the uh, Ten Commandments, in uh, Exodus, the uh, 14th chapter, as the, uh, the people, the children of Israel, were standing before the Red Sea, and the Egyptians were fastly approaching, um, the children of Israel rebuked Moses for bringing them that far only to die on the shores of the Red Sea. You know, this, this fear of death is something that we, we have not really yet fully adapted to. And there's a lot of uncertainty that goes along with it because, well, we haven't had anyone personally, at least I haven't had anyone personally, go to die and then come back from the dead and tell me how it was. Now, I'm not including people who go on YouTube or, you know, that documentary that you saw on near-death experiences, right? Those who, you know, maybe, um, you know, were, uh, let's say, what's the word I'm looking for? Clinically dead. Um, and they were brought back to life, quote-unquote, and they said, well, yeah, you know, my experience, I saw some things on the other side. Well, I'm not talking about those people um, because, well, really and truly, they can't provide any evidence to the contrary. Right. Or well, they can't provide evidence to support their claims. Excuse me. But what I'm talking about is somebody who we all know is dead. They've been to the, the mortician. They've had all of their organs and and everything removed. They've had the, the fluids uh, replaced with uh, formaldehyde. They've been placed in a grave, uh, sorry, in a casket. Uh, that casket was placed in a grave. Dirt was thrown over it. They were, I mean, they were dead. I'm, I'm talking about somebody who has been in the ground for more than enough time to be really and truly dead. Not clinically dead, but dead so much so that the bacteria uh, that was inside and outside of their body is beginning to um, eat and chew into their flesh. They're beginning to decompose. I'm talking about somebody who's been in the ground like that and then come back out of that grave and say, hey, I've been to this place. And I'd like to share with you um, what I experienced. Now, I haven't had anybody like that happen to me or speak to me firsthand and give me information firsthand. So there will always be some uncertainty with mankind as it pertains to death. 
Now, if you have your Bibles, um, please turn to uh, the book of Proverbs. It says, uh, in the book of Proverbs, the fifth chapter, um, Solomon wrote these words. He says, My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. And, you know, he talks about uh, this strange woman, but um, continuing on in verse number three, it says, For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Uh, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on the hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not, and come not nigh the door of her house. Lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto, unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last, when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And say, How have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof? And have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them, that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. And, you know, this warning that Solomon speaks to here in the book of Proverbs is, while we yet haven't had, while we haven't had someone firsthand die, go to the grave and come back, we still have wise instructors. And, you know, that's the, the value of having older brothers and sisters in Christ who can impart words of wisdom while they may not have, while they don't know what for a certainty, let's say, or they don't have evidence of the afterlife. What they can tell you is, is that there are circumstances in life that you should avoid that will, again, improve your chances of making heaven your home. I go back to the curse that, uh, that God gave Adam in the book of Genesis. What was that curse? That curse was is that you were are going to work to the bone. You're going to sweat. You're going to struggle. Thorns and thistles, hard times are going to be a part of your story. And at the end of those hard times, you are going to die and return to the dust from which you were formed. Well, you know, Adam had a lot of, uh, Adam, and I can't recall how many years Adam lived, but he lived well over 100 years. Um, and one of the things that I'm sure Adam learned over, you know, the, the, the span of his life is how to deal with challenges. Except, well, let me say that he had two sons. We know those two sons are, are Cain and Abel. I, I mentioned um, them uh, last Lord's Day, if I recall. Now, all of the struggles that Adam went through, I'm sure, 
He spent time instructing his two sons about how to overcome. But what happened? There was one of the sons, Cain, who was a, a tiller of the ground. And he was very successful with tilling of the ground. And we know that Adam, or sorry, not Adam, but uh, Abel was a, a hunter. And as was prescribed for, for these two young men, they brought a harvest or they brought a sacrifice, excuse me, to God. And uh, Cain sacrifice was what? Vegetables, you know, the, the, the hard work that he produced with his hands and the same for, for Abel. But uh, God's, or sorry, Abel's sacrifice was preferred uh, by God because, as we know, that, you know, blood is important. There's, there's an essence in, a, uh, in blood. And that's really what the sacrifice that, that God preferred was the shedding of blood. You know, a sacrifice of not, not one's blood, but the blood of, uh, of an animal as an atonement. Um, for uh, the sins of that individual. Now I say all that to say this, that had <clears throat> Cain <clears throat> adhered to the words of wisdom from his father, what would he have done? Well, he would have sacrificed or given a sacrifice that was worthy by God. But what did he do? He sacrificed the blood of his brother instead says that they were out in the field and, and Cain killed his brother Adam. Abel. I said that I made that mistake again last Lord's Day as well. Those A's kind of messed me up. But again, go back to the curse that was given to Adam. It says that we're all going to die and return to dust. Now, when the question came up when God... Uh, question Cain uh, you know Cain's response was is I can't deal with the uh, he did not want to deal with the fact that he had slain his brother so much so that he lied to God and told him I don't know where he is am I my brother's keeper if you have your Bibles <clears throat> and uh, I'll bring this point to bear here in a few moments uh, if you have your Bibles turn to uh, the book of Romans In uh, <clears throat> Romans, the 8th chapter, starting at uh, verse number 9. And before, I, before I read this verse, I guess I should kind of shore up this example that I brought to the table about Cain and Abel. Now, um, <clears throat> there were... Uh, Cain and Abel were... were well, I guess, if you will, that was the first recorded murder, um, or at least the first murder that we can read of in the Bible. Um, there were, you know, so many other things that mankind has done afterwards, but that was, let's say, uh, the first, um, you know, crime worthy of punishment, or second crime worthy of punishment. But what do, what do we find here that happened with Cain? Afterwards, Cain was, uh, he was further excluded uh, from the family. You know, uh, 
Adam and Eve had been excluded from the Garden of Eden uh, because of another sin. Cain was excluded from the area in which the family had grown up, and he was sent off to a far land, as it says. Um, in, the, in Romans, the, the eighth chapter, um, <clears throat> and again, we'll start reading from verse number nine. It says, uh, well, let's start at verse number eight. How about that? It says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And one of the things that uh, we know about being in the flesh is that uh, there's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And all, every single one of those were part of the equation when uh, Cain struck down his brother Abel. And, and I'll, I'll just describe this for a few moments. Um, Cain saw that uh, his brother Abel's sacrifice was preferred more than God. And how did he know this? Because God consumed these sacrifices with fire. And so when these sacrifices were built up from an altar, fire from heaven would come down and consume the sacrifice. But the fire never came down and, and consumed the sacrifice of Cain. And so Cain, looking at this, this fact that he had worked so hard with his hands, right? You know, the, the, this, this lust of the flesh, right? He had, he had produced these vegetables, let's say, uh, with hard work. They were beautiful. They were the part of the, uh, the harvest. And so he had laid these on the altar, let's say. You know, the pride of life. You know, he saw that his brother, um, you know, that God was consuming his brother's sacrifice and not his. And, and it was that pride, that, that, that anger that was fed by pride that led him, led him to strike down his brother. Did he enjoy that? Did he enjoy getting the upper hand? Did he enjoy, um, you know, humiliating his brother, let's say? You know, did that anger bring about some fulfillment in his life? It surely did. Right? Otherwise, he wouldn't have lied to God. Otherwise, he would have gone to God and said, God, my father, please forgive me for what I have done. He lied. And then had the nerve enough to say to God, am I my brother's keeper? So the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life was all in that, um, that particular scenario. And so, again, in verse number 8 of Romans 8 chapter, it says, Those who are in the flesh, or those who are um, invested in those things which make up the flesh, they cannot please God. Now, verse number 9, it goes on to say, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. But if so, be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. And again, if you are in the Spirit, you have to have the Spirit of God inside you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life. Because of righteousness. Now, here's where I'm going to the, meld these two ideas about our uncomfortability with death and how 
you know, rejecting those things that drive the flesh gives us the ability to adapt to the uncertainty of death. It says in verse number 11, But if the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. <clears throat> uh, the Solomon in the book of Proverbs, um, or Solomon, sorry, David in the book of Psalms, in Psalms 42 um, which was our scripture reading this morning. Um, I'm not going to read all 11 <coughs> verses. But uh, starting off in the uh, Psalms 42, David, uh, and, I, and I may be pronouncing this word incorrectly, but he remonstrates, um, you know, similar to what uh, uh, Job did. Um, in the book of Job, if you if you look back in at the book of Job, Job was going through some hard times, and he he in essence complained to God. It's like God, where, where are you? Um, I've been a good man all my life. Where are you? And we find David doing the same thing that you know in a time of need he finds himself thirsting for salvation from God. But that's a part of life. Again, we just got the reading in the book of Genesis that there's a, there's a couple curses. To the woman, you're, you're going to have pain in childbirth. And because you, because of the fact that uh, uh, Eve was instrumental in uh, convincing her husband, Adam, to partake in the sin, what does it also say? that the woman would be subject to her husband. You know, there is, a, uh, there is a subjection that goes along with that curse. And I guess I would say is that um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that if Adam and Eve had remained in the Garden of Eden, that uh, they would continue to be as equals. Both taking care of the garden. You know, the, I mean, that's the reason why Eve was created in the first place, was to be a healthy. Now, Adam wasn't her boss. Adam wasn't her supervisor. But they had equal responsibility in caring for the garden because Adam needed help. And Eve was that help. But yet, because of sin... And you can go back and look at first, uh, you know, First Corinthians that there is a uh, that God is at the head of Christ, Christ is the head of man, and man is at the head of the woman. Yes. But that you know that that for some that may be uncomfortable. But it, you go talk to a feminist, and I'll tell you that that's highly uncomfortable. <coughs> you continue on with this curse again. The man is cursed with having to work. And I mean work hard. Now, I'll tell you that I'm not out in the field, um, you know, tilling the ground, but I'm working nonetheless. I still got to get up and work that eight to five. 
Um, but society has made it so that maybe you don't have to work. They call it uh, welfare. Okay, that's fine. But somebody's still got to work in order to uh, afford everyone else's welfare. And you're looking at that gap. And anyone else who's working and paying taxes. I digress. My point being is that there are um, issues of life that we all have to deal with that are unavoidable, that are just part and parcel of living and breathing. And David remonstrates to God in Psalms, the 42nd chapter, and he cries out for uh, salvation. He cries out for, for assistance. And he says again in verse number 8, Yet the Lord will commend His loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night His song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the unto the God of my life. He goes on to say in verse number eleven, uh, "Where art thou cast down, O my? Why art thou cast down, O, the, o my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me?" Now, these are rhetorical questions that David is posing here. Um, David is saying, well, why am I depressed? Why, am I, why is my soul unsettled in these, in these times, uh, in these days of my life? And the answer to these rhetorical questions is this. Hope thou in God, for I shall, pray, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance, and my God. Well, who revealed that truth unto him? Well, we know that uh, God spoke to Moses as he spoke to a dear, dear friend. Um, you know, David in similar fashion. Uh, David was blessed as a prophet of God. Um, and he spoke to him the... the he was one of those men who was inspired by God to write these words. Again, I go back to this, who had revealed this unto him, but God revealed it unto him through the spoken word. And if you go back to Romans, the eighth chapter, uh, it says, in essence, the exact same thing. That while we yet are uh, living in the Spirit, one of the things that we can do is we can overcome the flesh. As it says in verse number 13 of Romans, the 8th chapter, For if ye live after the flesh, guess what's going to happen? You're going to die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, guess what? You will live. Now that isn't meaning to say that you're going to live eternally, but we know that there are two deaths. There's a physical death, and there is a spiritual death. Revelation tells us that the turning over of, the, uh, of hell into the lake of fire and brimstone is the second death. We know that uh, the scripture tells us <clears throat> that the promise of eternal life in heaven, this new Jerusalem, uh, in this place that's adorned as a bride uh, for God, yes. uh, is in our grasp. It is open and available to us if we hear, believe, repent, confess, and are baptized, and then live faithfully unto death, as it states in Revelation, the second chapter, 
in verse number 10. How do we as Christians adapt to the uncomfortability of death? We do that by living out of the Spirit. We do that by um, mortifying the deeds of the body, as it says here in verse number 13. Uh, verse number 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know, we are a part of God's sheepfold. We are a part of God's family. When we make the choice to live after the Spirit, and one of the things, again, that it affords us the ability to do is to come to grips with the uncomfortability of the ultimate bad day, or not the ultimate bad day, but the ultimate circumstances, which is you losing your life. You know, I... I, um, I was watching a, a documentary about World War II, and there were chaplains um, in World War II, and they were very critical to the preserving the psyche of the soldiers because what these chaplains would do, they were fighting chaplains, by the way. All of them had rifles. But what they would do is, is that they would administer, they would pray. Um, you know, whenever there was a soldier who had need every Sunday, um, that, you know, obviously the battle would allow them to, these chaplains on the battlefield would lead services for the soldiers. And why is that critically important? <clears throat> Especially when we're talking about people that are faced with death all around them, right? Their buddy just got blown up by a mortar fire. Or, you know, you know a, a fellow soldier was just mowed down by... Um, you know, machine gun fire. The, when you're out on the battlefield, you can smell death around you. And even the military, even the military, you know, that, that war fighting mechanism knows that in order for the soldiers to not get so depressed that they take their own lives, that there has to be a spiritual element even out on the battlefield. There needs to be chaplains out on the battlefield talking to these soldiers, helping them come to grips with the certainty of death. Because we are all going to die. It's unavoidable. Yes, it may be a dark topic on a beautiful day such as today. But it is the reality of the situation. But we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as disciples of Christ, as believers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're able to deal with it. We're able to deal with it knowing that as long as we live faithfully until death, we have something better awaiting for each and every one of us. You know, Paul talks about this um, a lot in, in 2 Corinthians. And... I'm going to read this last verse and I'll, I'll conclude. <clears throat> In uh, 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, um, he says, uh, um, starting at verse number 25, and I'm not going to read all of it, but he says, Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice was I shipwrecked, a night and a day I have been in the deep, and journeyings often in perils of water, and perils of robbers, and perils of my own countrymen. The list goes on and on and on. And, and what you will see here is that, what does he say? 
he's surrounded by the, the possibility of death right around the corner. He could have starved to death. He could have drowned to death. He could have been killed and murdered. I mean, so many things that Paul was faced. And yet still, he continued to go out there day after day after day doing um, what God had charged him to do. And it says <clears throat> in verse number 30 and 31, it says, if I, if I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. You know, the, he found his strength in the fact that he had a father, the Almighty, who we all are studying about, on, who we all studied about on Wednesday, who um, is a God like no other, in that our God, the Almighty God, <coughs> sacrificed himself even before we had the ability to sacrifice for him. Even before each and every one of us were alive, God made a plan for through which each and every one of us can obtain eternal life. That's the beauty of our God, the same God that is spoken here in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, in verse number 31. The same God that Paul leaned upon each and every day while he was out there on the battlefield fighting with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, dying to the left and to the right. He kept his head because he had the Spirit, because he knew that there was a promise of a better day waiting for him. So I say all that to say this, that um, we are blessed when we go out there into this upcoming week. Um, you know, when you leave your house, there's some uncertainty there. Um, when you get in your car, there's some uncertainty there. Um, when you're driving down the highway, there's some uncertainty there. Um, if you're walking down the street alone in the dark, there's some uncertainty. If you're in Winton, uh, you, know, you know, handling money, um, there's some uncertainty there. Uh, you know, I think about <clears throat> our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in third world countries. I was talking to uh, Heather, um, Sister Warner, about the Rwandan genocide, um, where 30 years ago, um, every single person who professed a belief in Jesus Christ was murdered. And not just them, but their, their families. Men, women, and children were slaughtered because they professed the name of Jesus Christ. Now, none of us live in that environment, but what about them? Are there still Christians there? Absolutely there are. Why? Because they have the promise of a better day. Because they have the, they have the Spirit of God. They, they read into this, this book and they believe it. The Scripture tells us that... <clears throat> There will be a resurrection for everyone. Everyone will be risen again after they die a physical death. The question is, is what resurrection will you be a part of? Will you be a part of the resurrection of, the, uh, uh, of 
torment of, of death, or will you be a, a part of the resurrection of eternal life? And while today is the day, we can make that choice. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian and you've not been living as you should, if there has been some transgression that has, or let me say that, if there has been a weakness or a fault that has overtaken you, um, you can come to uh, God and stand up. And those who are righteous in the building will pray on your behalf that God will give you the strength that you need to, uh, to overcome that fault. Um, not have that fault overcome you. If you are not a member of the body of Christ, um, then then death certainly is a scary thing. Um, because not only will you die once, but if you don't, if you do not obey the gospel call, you will die a second time. And that second death is far more disastrous than the first. I, I go back to the the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Um, you know, when the rich man was talking to Father Abraham about going back and warning his brothers, what did Father Abraham say? He says, that's not going to work. You know, people out there in the world who are so invested in their flesh, even if somebody came back from the dead, that would not be enough to uh, get them to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, what is there to do? Or how does anyone come to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, it starts within the individual. You know, it starts with having soil that is uh, suitable for that plant or that word once it's planted to, to grow and to bear fruit. Um, so if you're here today and uh, you know, this, this, this message has, has moved you and you are not a member of the body of Christ, um, and you'd like to be, well, we'll pray on your behalf that, you know, that uh, some seed will be planted, um, that your heart is ready to receive it and accept it, that you'll hear the word of God, hearing the oneness of God, the oneness of hope, the oneness of faith, the oneness of baptism, that you will believe it, uh, that you will repent, confess, and be baptized and added to that fold um, to be able to call the Almighty your Father and then faithfully until death. So we're going to sing a song of invitation. If you have a urgent need to do so, um, as soon as the song is over, the floor will be open to you. Thank you very much for your time and attention. 607. All found? Let's sing. All things are ready.